American Scotia podcast. I'm your host this evening, and joining me tonight to add a wee bit of clarity and sanity amidst all the mess, we have Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Pretty good. Hello, everyone. Um, first of all, we got to start with a, a wee bit of a, a sad announcement. Um, the, the football community has had a, a, a death there. Um, Fernando Rickson uh, used to be a, a, a Dutch international and, and ex-Rangers player. He's he's died of motor neuron disease. So all our thoughts and, and our, our thoughts mainly go to his, his friends and family and his fans. And secondly, much closer to home to LFC. Um, we had a supporter, Stephen Allen, rushed to hospital at halftime following an unprovoked attack in the city. Um, Liverpool away to Napoli, of course, um, and the Liverpool CEO, Peter Moore, was was there by his bedside and, and provided updates via Twitter and, and helped out in any way he could. And glad to hear that Stephen's recovering. So again, all our thoughts are, are with Stephen and his, his friends and family out there. So um, with that being said, uh, we shouldn't really need to touch on on the whole violence thing. That's pretty deplorable. Um, obviously, we all we all uh, would vie against <laughs> that at uh, away games or home games, especially. But um, to the opening game of the Champions League, Chris and uh, Napoli with two goals in the last ten minutes. How do you think we fared in the first eighty minutes? Man, we looked really good. Uh, we had our chances. Defense was a little sketchy uh, a couple times in the first half. Adrian came up with a couple of amazing saves to help us out there. But, uh, you know, I, we we kind of spoke a little earlier about this. And I mentioned that, I, you know, I put it in the chat yesterday that I felt right around the 70th minute that we needed another substitution to come in and Napoli looked gassed. And uh, next thing you know, uh, the penalty call that I don't think we really need to touch on much. I think everybody has their own line of where they're at on it. But, uh, you know, the penalty goes against us, unfortunately. And, you know, the rest, they say, is history. I, I think the Lorente goal is kind of just a, a joke. But it is what it is. Football can be cruel when it wants to be. And last night I felt that it was cruel to us. But like you said, it was the opening game of the group stage. So there's always room for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely room for improvement. And, you know, the first 80 minutes, we 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 looked a little disjointed up top and, and we could talk all day about the, the difference between the Newcastle game and, and the Napoli game and and be pessimistic and and dwell on, on a, a, our first loss in God knows how long. I mean, our our last loss was obviously against Barcelona, but that doesn't count because we all know what happened then. Um, so I guess our last loss would have been City, City, yeah, City and Wolves in January. So that's a while back. <laughs> so it's definitely a, a feeling we're not accustomed with. But um, I think the first eighty minutes we we played pretty well. Um, it was just those last ten minutes. Well, and you have to commend Koulibaly. I mean, that was a hell of a defensive performance. I mean, he got away with one. I feel against Mo in the first half. I believe it was the first half. And, uh, you know, had Mo gone down, everybody in the world, all the pundits, everybody, world's biggest diver, always down on the ground again. Again. You know, Callahan does it one time, and everybody's like, oh, it's all Andy Robertson. Let me tell you something. 
Robo played a hell of a game yesterday for the, the amount of tracking back that he had to do against Mertens and Callahan. And for a man that has really no backup other than Milner, and let's face it, Milner could play all 11 places on the pitch. But without having a backup support like he has, he played it. He played really well. He had the yeah. yellow card. Uh, unfortunate. I think the ref kind of picked on him more towards the end of the second half, and it just was unfortunate that he was the player that it was involved in that. But it is what it is. Koulibaly just looks like a rock, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he had, let me see, I got it written down here somewhere. He had five clearances, two interceptions, three tackles, and he won 100% of his aerial uh, battles. I don't, I don't know how many he had. I could imagine maybe three or four. But um, he really does look like the, the second best center back in the world next to mm-hmm. Virgil. Um, but uh, realistically, you know, the, the last 10 minutes, we're one nil down with a, a a dubious penalty, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. The second goal for me, what I mean, if we're one nil up, that second goal doesn't happen. I think you know where that ball gets shielded or passed out much quicker or something. You know, I I, I don't really blame Virgil for that specifically too hard, but um, Klopp in his presser in his press conference towards the uh, at the end of the game obviously spoke about what we're talking about the the penalty and uh, and human errors you know if we could sit here and talk about var all night but uh, let me get your thoughts on var real quick it's such a difficult thing to have a stance on i i understand where they come from you know, when they say a clear and obvious uh, mistake by the ref, but when is there going to be a line? Because if you want it, like if you look at it, and I'm sure it, we all have multiple times, uh, he doesn't touch him <laughs> until he jumps at him. He doesn't touch him. Yeah, you you correctly so, you jumped at him. <laughs> right, right. And in in my eyes, if I'm the person that's in the video assistant referee room and I'm looking at that and I'm seeing a player lunge at a defender whose foot is literally a foot in front of the defender I'm that's a clear and obvious penalty or a p- clear and obvious misjudgment from the ref but they don't want to overturn it they want their biggest thing is is they're going to stick with whatever their initial decision was he was quick to the point he, he didn't even hesitate as soon as he saw Calhoun go down he pointed straight to the spot he did not hesitate whatsoever so in their mind okay if he's that confident in it then why are we even going to really pay attention to this and see if we can overturn it yeah and you know i we've we've talked a lot in the in the first couple of minutes here about Robo and you know he's a a fantastic player for our team and unbelievable commitment and drive and desire to to win the ball and win every tackle he goes into um you've obviously heard that he had to shut his twitter account down how how do you think obviously we can't really go into people being derogatory and and uh and nasty towards him you know what's the point in dwelling on something like that but 
isn't it a shame that a player in today's age can have a, a, a bad game or give away a dubious penalty, which it could happen to anyone? Isn't it a shame that this man now has to take himself out of that spotlight? It is sad. It, it is sad that as a society and in the world that that's where we're at now. Um, and I'll use LeBron James as an example, especially when it comes to his playoff time. Usually during the regular season, he'll be on Twitter, you know, listening to this and this and this. People take their jabs, whatever. Come playoff time, it's always, okay, I'm shutting myself off. I'm going to keep away from all the criticism, and I'm just going to go out and do it. I kind of feel like maybe Robertson's at that same point. Maybe he didn't want to deal with it, and I understand, you know, it, there's no place for it in the game. There's no place for it in society. Uh, it, it's a shame. And it makes me sad because you know, I'm a parent and I'm raising my child and I'm raising my child to go out into a world that has this type of hate. And it's it's sad and it's disheartening. And professional athletes are humans too. You know, everybody thinks that they're so invulnerable and that they they're perfect and they're super strong and you know they're superheroes but in reality they're human beings and they have feelings as well and i'm sure that he was having the emotion of the game and the emotion of the whole situation weighing on his shoulders as it was and then listening and reading and seeing all the hate that people have for something that honestly wasn't didn't really look like it was his fault and yeah. It, it, it's so disrespectful. You can go from last weekend praising a man to three week, or three days later, he's the scum of the earth. It makes absolutely no sense, and there's no place in the world for it. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a shame, you know, that in, in today's age, it, it, it just takes the, the click of a button um, to ruin someone's day. Um, now, I'm not a big tweeter twitterer whichever um <laughs> but uh i'm pretty sure and a player like andy robson had a, a lot of followers you know so I'm, I'm not by any means saying it was all liverpool fans in fact the majority could have not been it doesn't matter you know you just you, you don't go out of your way to hurl abuse at somebody on the street so why would you do it on the, on your telephone um but uh He's a real, uh, a real rock for the club, and um, you know he was rumored to be injured before the game. He he was I lucky. To, he was lucky to be playing. Um, so, with his his international duty and whatnot, he I guess he was carrying a knock or he had something in training or, but he he received some abuse from the Scottish fans for his international duty as well. I was reading. So, hopefully, he uh, his. His mentality doesn't get hindered by that because, like I said, his his ambition to to win every ball, win every inch is is unmatched, really. So let's and, and you gotta enjoy the guy's personality. Like you see the videos that the club posts on social media all the time of him and Milner doing something silly and him yeah. just having to go at Milner and Milner turning around and having to go right back at him. Uh, he's got that kind of you know, likable personality. Cheeky Scottish wit. Yeah, he's yes. he's a very likable, very little rascal type, isn't he? 
it's just it's it's so sad that it happened to somebody like him. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I gotta bring up something that Klopp said in his presser again. I know we were just speaking about his press conference and uh, the human mistake, of course. Um, but he also asked the um, the audience, the people there, the reporters. He said, uh, "So who here, as a show of hands, thinks it was a penalty?" And two guys with glasses raised their hands, and Klopp made a comment on it. He said, uh, "Well, I'm the only one with the right prescription glasses." Then apparently, <laughs> which was just I thought is perfect, Klopp. You know, a way to to glaze over in a funny way uh, a difficult topic. You know, he and, uh, and I, he, he could have said something and been fined. You know, I think that's why. I think that's why our players, you know, have that, like we were just talking about Robertson's personality, you know, that all stems from him. And even in the dark times, he always somehow finds a clop way to, to throw a little dig out there, or, you know, be a little witty and, and just get a chuckle going. You know, everything happens for a reason in football and he knows that. And it's all about the rebound now. Well, I just speaking about Klopp's, uh, boyish charm as well you've you've brought up a story i just read um a couple of weeks back actually so the real madrid final which we lost uh do you know what klopp done just before the game kicked off oh uh, isn't that isn't that the story about him wearing ronaldo's undies undies and a, a pair of football socks stuffed down the middle of them <laughs> now it might be a little x-rated uh for our podcast but you, you know disclaimer warning klopp in a pair of undies, <laughs> that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna knock the tension right down, you know. So that's the manager of the football club before a Champions League final. That's just a phenomenal story. Just you reminded me of. But um, you know the the Napoli game. You know it is what it is. We 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 move on, um, and we will talk a little bit more about it. But um, we have Salzburg next. I don't know if you've seen. The highlights of that game, um, I think it was 6-2 or 5-2 or something like that. But uh, there's a young uh, young striker. He actually is the, the third youngest striker to score a hat-trick um, in the Champions League, right behind Raul and Rooney. And this kid is, for all those old listeners out there in the early days of the Premier League, he's Alf Inga Haaland's son. So Alfinger Haaland was a Norwegian player who played for Forest, Leeds, and played for Man City. And notoriously, Roy Keane, when he played for Man United, was there was a game Man United versus Man City, and Roy Keane threw in a very dirty tackle and nearly nearly ended his career. But anyway, this young kid is his son, and he's a striker, and 19 years of age, something like that. I don't know if you've seen his goals, but the kid looks phenomenal. What? What? Uh, obviously, they're a much lower opposition, but we should be winning this game, right? Uh, I would hope so. I mean, I I think I saw maybe two of the goals from him yesterday. Um, I a part of me feels like Genk didn't get off of the bus yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you were down within two minutes, you know, of kickoff. And it just got progressively worse for 
for them. And you're right. I, I, I think that we should be winning it. Um, but I haven't really seen Red Bulls play much. So I, I don't want to give definitive, you know, stance. But you would think at home, easy. You know, we're at home. Anfield is a whole different entity than any other place to go in European, especially on a European night. Ask Barcelona. Um, Correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're I, absolutely right. We've got, you know, there's 15 points still left available uh, in our group stages. So, you know, we'll, we can talk about it briefly, but we'll get back to Napoli. You know, um, they're, they're going to charge us for, for second place anyway. But uh, with 15 points left still on the board, we should, we should be qualifying and, and, you know, not worried about a 2-0 early days defeat against Napoli. Right. And and even on the day of the draw, I was sitting at work and I'm watching the draw and I'm like, please anybody but Napoli. You know, I it that's just how I've always looked at Napoli. I think they have a really good, you know, attack force with Mertens and you bring in a summer signing of Lozano with somebody who excelled last year at PSV. Yeah. And you know, a Mexican international, so you know he's got the international, uh, the ties, and he's played in the World Cup. You know he's got the class and the quality. Uh, Ancelotti, hopefully, you know, can make it come out a little more. But at the same time, you know, that's a solid team. We can't forget, you know, we played them, what, last year in the preseason. We played them in the group stage last year. We played them again this year in the preseason. And then we've played them again in the group stage. Yeah, They're, it's a running trend, right? I mean, we've played them probably more times in the last two, three seasons than we've played United. So, I mean, they have a they have a smart manager. They have a solid system. You brought in Lozano, as I mentioned earlier. You brought in Manolas. I mean, that's a solid, solid team right there. Had they not had a Koulibaly own goal on them at the end of that game against Juventus, they would, you know, Juventus should be worried about Napoli. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, they've they finished second to to Juve um, three out of the last six years. So they're you know they're right behind them. But uh, the one other thing I did notice um, about the game, um, not necessarily the game itself, but the Na- Napoli Stadium, it's been in the news recently, and it seemed like the entire lower tier was empty. Yeah, that was. Um, Yeah, it's a complete construction site, apparently, and people like Ancelotti have have posted videos on on Twitter and online and called it a toilet. You know, the dressing rooms were an absolute shambles. So, you know, maybe that, maybe maybe I'm making stuff up. Maybe it didn't play a part in the build-up to the game for the Liverpool lads, but uh, to me, it, it looked unerring, you know? To have half a stadium and what obviously... Think, what do you think that that does to the player's mindset? Like when you go out into the stadium and you're used to seeing hundreds of thousands of people standing and being all around you, and then you have a bottom bowl that's empty. I guess like, it could go two ways. Like, you know, because those players are, are used to people looking at them. Right. So. So when the opposite happens and there's, you know, sometimes there's completely closed stadiums where there's no fans in the stadium, that's got to throw you off. You know, when you're used 
I mean, maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe they're so used to blocking it out that they can just block that out as well. But you would you would imagine that not having a hundred thousand people screaming at you can be just as daunting as having a hundred thousand people screaming at you. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be fair, I think that the crowd yesterday played a big part because you know, even sitting here watching it at my house with the surround sound on, when we have the ball, you cannot hear the announcers because of whatever they're squealing, squeaking, squawking, whatever the hell you want to call it, whatever it was, it was so unnerving to me that I had to turn my TV down until we lost the ball and they would shut their mouths. Like it was, it was crazy the amount of noise that they made without even having that bottom bowl filled. Yeah, you, you must have a sixth sense, Chris, because that was my precisely next question to you. It it had to have played a part. The the fans, even though the entire bottom bowl was empty, even though they were missing, let's say, twenty thousand people, they made it they made themselves known from the 80th minute onwards. Every time we had the ball, there was whistling and jeering and you couldn't hear a thing, like you said. Um so their crowd no matter how small it is, they're obviously, you know, they're a hugely passionate uh, support group and uh, they made their, their presence known um, and we'll do the exact same when we get them back to Anfield, obviously. Oh, absolutely. But, but um, you know, Klopp was, was very nice about Napoli and even towards the end of the game, this whole running joke that we have that Napoli are now our friendly team and we played them in the group <laughs> stages. You know, Ancelotti and Klopp had a little word at the end of the game and Carlo said to Klopp, he said, well, you know, even if Napoli beat you, you can go on and win the league, the Champions League. That's right. literally, that's directly what he said to Klopp, apparently. And then Klopp in return in his press conference said that, you know, like we've just said, Napoli are a well-drilled organized side and they they could go all the way in the champions league now that could just be smoke but i think it goes along with what we're saying napoli on their day are a good side so we shouldn't really feel too hard done by with them no you know like i said earlier you had they not had a koulibaly own goal a freak koulibaly own goal in the 90th minute against juve a few weeks back before the international break you know, they would have come back from 3-0 down against Juventus to to tie that game in the second half. And they, I think, bold prediction and hot take, I think they win Serie A this year as long as they stay healthy. I think Delict is a little unsettled over at Juventus. And uh, I think, I think that this might be the year that Napoli could turn it and and topple Juventus. I'd love to see it, mate. And I'm all about the hot take. I love it. That was <laughs> that was beautiful. Give me more of them. That was great. Napoli to beat Juve. I'm all about it. So, keeping in mind that all that's been said and done, you know, we'll we'll come back. We've got a few quotes from uh, the rest of our members here at American Scouser about the game. We'll sign off with that, just as a a little pat on the back, and we'll we'll move on with our week. But uh, just before we move on to Chelsea, one one or two more things I've got to mention. Um, should Mane have passed or should have, should he just have taken it on and shot? I think if he was going to pass it, he should have played it a little bit sooner. 
Precisely, I was, man. I was screaming at my TV, yelling at him to to play him through. Uh, but then he waited until the last minute, and he had no choice but to push it wide. Um, honestly, at the form you're on, and the cracker that you scored to open or to you know level against Newcastle, why aren't you taking it on? Yeah, you know you, the the and you know the media will be loving this. They'll they'll be making a, a whole nother row, a whole nother spat in the in the in the news about oh Mane didn't really want to pass to him, but left it too late and blah blah blah. But uh, it, you're you're perfectly right. He should have um, should have either fed him in earlier or just said no and and struck it and just broke the back of the net and we'd be talking about. It. In the back of my mind, the only thing I thought about after that pass went through was, oh, he's trying to get him back for earlier when he couldn't sort the ball out from underneath his feet to play Mane through. Absolutely. The only thought that came into my head, and it's sad that that thought came into my head, but, you know, maybe now they're even. Maybe we don't have to deal with this anymore, and maybe we can finally move on, and everybody could just put it all to rest. But... Man, I really thought we had one in us yesterday. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, we 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 could have and possibly should have scored, but you know we didn't. And uh, like we'll get into it, it, it really was the um, the perfect time if there is such a thing to lose, you know. Um, but uh, we'll we'll do the quotes from the lads now, and then we'll talk about the Chelsea game. But uh, before that. Let's. Uh, who was your man of the match? I know it's a bit difficult to pick a man of the match when when you lose a game, but there was a couple of standout performers. So let's hear your choice. Mine goes to Fabinho. I think he was amazing yesterday. He he had a couple cracking tackles in the midfield. One in which he played that beautiful over the top ball to Mo and stride down the wing. That first time ball. Oh, oh yeah. God, that was so beautiful. We want to talk about Bobby being X-rated on the weekend. That pass yesterday was phenomenal. Yeah, it uh, really was. He's so instrumental when it comes to protecting that back four, and he really gives Trent and Robo that opportunity to go forward because we can push Matip and Van Dyke out a little wider, and he can sit there in like a little tip of a triangle of the defense, and it's intimidating. He's what six two, six three. You got Van Dyke, who's five, six five. Matip, who's six three. Those are towers. Yeah, absolute towers. <laughs> Napoli will tell you. You know they were outsized yesterday, other than Manolas and Koulibaly. Nobody yeah. else on their team was over what six one. Uh, Fabian six two. So I mean. They are just giants in the middle of the field. And the way that he cracks into people and he does it so elegantly that he doesn't get called for the fouls nine times out of ten. And he doesn't stop. Yeah, You think, like, ever since he's come into the fray at, what, Christmas last year, it, it's he's the first name on the team sheet behind Van Dyke. Yeah, absolutely. He, I actually read, it was possibly yesterday or today, it was his one-year anniversary of his first appearance, his debut for Liverpool, Fabinho. So he, um, like you rightly picked, he had a, an amazing game. So I had some statistics pulled from the game that that uh, 
surround Fabinho and how, how good he is. He had 95% passing throughout the game. That's 62 out of 65 completed passes. Two dribbles, which you don't really... He does dribble the ball out, but, you know, like you you uh, alluded to, his first time around the shoulder pass to Salah, that's what he's all oh. about. That is just unbelievable. That's sex, on, sex on a stick right there. That's beautiful passing. And he had the most tackles in the game. He had six out of seven completed tackles. So I, I just love the, the juxtaposition between him and a player like Virgil. Virgil is on record uh, as saying something similar to Paolo Maldini, one of the, one of the greats. He said, "If I have to make a tackle, I've, I know that I've already made a mistake." Whereas a player like Fabinho, that's his job to make those tackles, and he does it so effortlessly. He does it as effortlessly as Virgil doesn't tackle. It, it to have those two completely different but yet similar types of players so calm on the ball just it it speaks volumes for for the spine of our team <coughs> excuse me so yeah um with uh with the game being covered we'll um we'll take a little uh little listen to some of the quotes from our american scouser colleagues here so um causing our uh, our scouser in the house, our hard stern behind the wheel here. He uh, <laughs> he says um, it means nothing. We played well and we got done by a dive. Cosy uh, thinks we missed Genie a little bit and um, also reminds us not to overreact and comes in with a little hot take of his own. He doesn't think he remembers Klopp losing two on the bounce. Now Cosy's usually good for for. Uh, historical calls like that so i haven't i haven't bothered fact checking him on that one because his words gospel for me so he's he speaks very well there i'd say wouldn't you agree i would i would i i think he's correct in saying not to panic because you know it's the first game of the group stage and like we talked about earlier there's still 15 points up for grabs yeah so uh next is Timuchin and Timuchin says that uh, he echoes what Klopp was saying. It's a, a poor performance versus Napoli last year, and that gave us a great learning experience. Uh, the performance was, of course, better this year, um, but still far from our best. Um, we can definitely use it as a stepping stone, and he also echoes Kazi saying that if he could pick one game to lose, this would have been it. And... You know, it, it touches on we, what we were talking about. It it really was the perfect time to to lose a game. Even even though we're losing our opening game of the Champions League, it's much better to do it now than in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, I agree with that as well. You know, it, Napoli's the toughest team. I I hate to say this that we play for the next few weeks. You know, we got Chelsea on the weekend that we're going to talk about, and then you got. Uh, Don's in the cup and Sheffield United, you know, it, it, when we got the draw and I saw the group stage, my first thought was, man, I hate that we have to go back to Naples because I, it, the only thing that I pictured was that, that game last year. And I was worried. I was worried yesterday, the entire day I'm at work. I'm like, ah, I'm not looking forward to this game in Naples. There's just, I've just got a feeling 
there's something about going to Napoli. And, you know, it, it turned out the way it did. But I, I, I agree. I think that if you needed some some game to humble you and to bring you back down to earth after starting perfect in the league, I think Napoli doing it to you on the road is better than going to MK Dons in the cup and taking a shit. You know, I, I just I, I think that this is a perfect thing for you to happen. You guys get your head straight. You realize, OK, we're not as indestructible as we thought we may be. Let's yeah. go again and show them what we can do in the league. Yeah, you couldn't be more right. Um, and last but not least, to to give us one of their their hot takes and quotes on the game here is Gordon. And Gordon said, you know, we were riding high on a five win streak, five wins, no draws, no losses. Um, so in reality, the best thing was for us to be brought back down to reality. And uh, you know, he, he says it could be a blessing in disguise like we just talked about. We go back to the league and, and we we have a point to prove. Um, and, you know, like Kazi said, he, he doesn't believe Klopp has lost two on the bounce. I I, I can't remember if he's correct. I, like I said, I, I'm not even going to bother fact-checking hard stern because <laughs> uh, he's more than likely right. Um, but, you know... Gordon's right. It could be a blessing in disguise. We could go away to Chelsea this weekend, which we're going to move on to now shortly. Um, you know, that's that's where we're off to next. We we've got a point to prove there at um, at the bridge at Stamford Bridge. Yep. So I wanted to leave with one last quote because um, I remember the last podcast I done. We we talked a little bit about Shankly, and it was Bill Shankly's birthday. And uh, I just wanted to bring out this great quote I've read from Nessie Shankly, Bill Shankly's wife. And this quote in particular is uh, quite striking right now because it's all about losing. When I married Bill Shankly, I married a man to whom football was a fierce passion and it had its benefits. Whenever Liverpool lost, which wasn't very often, he'd be so upset he'd come home, go straight into the kitchen and clean out the oven over and over again until it was spotless. It was the only way he knew to relieve the frustration. Now, <laughs> if every man could take a page out of Bill Shankly's book, <laughs> we'd have a whole lot cleaner kitchens. Amen to that, brother. So let's uh, let's move seamlessly into Chelsea, because um, not only did we lose? Chelsea also lost um, against Valencia, right? Correct. And um, so, you know, the opening day wasn't uh, all good for the, the English sides. Um, obviously, we, we played them in the Super Cup. We, we both won the Cups. A um, couple of months back, there was four English teams in the finals. Um, and now, all of a sudden, all the English teams are back down to reality. <laughs> So uh, we've got Chelsea at the weekend, Stamford Bridge. Um, what do you think our chances are? I think they're going to see a completely different team than what they saw at the Super Cup. Um, I and... think they're hoping that they see the Liverpool from the Super Cup. I don't know if they've been watching the games, but we're a completely different beast right now. Completely different. And Napoli aside, you know, that was... Whatever, that's just a chink in the armor. <laughs> you 
we are a completely different animal than what we were to start the year in the Super Cup. But there, you know, you, you this weekend is intriguing to me because you have two top, and I say top with the air quotes, uh, top teams in England with the us and Chelsea going head-to-head this weekend and two teams that are going to be extremely heated after the way that their games ended. You know, Ross Barkley missed that penalty for Chelsea. And sure did, we, yeah. We know how we, you know, we know how our game went, but I be- didn't Mason Mount get injured yesterday? He sure did, yeah. I, I don't know how bad it was. Um, it certainly didn't look great from the still photograph I seen. I didn't see the, the game live, but, um, of course, a still photograph, it can look like you broke your leg. And he, he's just a kid, so I'm sure he's still made of rubber. But um, he's definitely going to miss our game. That's for sure. Uh, and to me, I think he's a—he's pretty—he's very inter, uh, instrumental for their attack, uh, bringing the ball up and playing it wide. I—I I feel he's been more instrumental for them thus far this year than Pulisic has. And you know, Pulisic came into Chelsea and he had this high rate, high praise, and everything. You know, the academy kid from Dortmund, the American international, the the phenomenon, as you want to say, but. I've watched a couple of the Chelsea games this season, and Mason Mount has been uh, he's been a f- breath of fresh air for them. I feel, and Abraham, he's kind of uh, on a tear right now, but I don't know if he's going to be able to deal with Van Dyke. Look at how much Van Dyke shut him down in the Super Cup. Absolutely. So I think. I think Lampard tries to play a little more of his squad players after, you know, some of the stuff that went down this week against Valencia and trying to get people's morale back up. And I haven't, I don't think I saw the lineup they went with yesterday. Let me see if I can find it. Well, uh, let me, let me just say this while you're looking for that. Um, Got it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so I mean, we are Mountain's going to be out most likely for them. So you, you expect Pedro to come in, maybe Pulisic could play, um, but I see William getting another game out there. Uh, is Conte injured? I'm not sure. He, it, I haven't seen he, him play in the past week. Though, make so. the eight, he didn't even make the squad yesterday. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> they're not even at their top. The top fitness as it is. I mean, if Conte comes back into the midfield in the mid or the weekend, that's a that's a different you know conversation. He to me right there up with Fabinho, the two best defensive midfielders I feel in the league. Well, they've and, done this to us in the Super Cup as well. They, there was rumors that Conte wasn't going to play, and then he showed up and, and just then he showed up. bossed the game. So you never know with Chelsea. Chelsea, especially with Lampard. I feel like, you know, I watched a couple of his games last year when he was with Derby or uh, Derby County, and he's not he's not afraid to mix things up, that's for sure. Yeah, not at all. And, you know, Tammy Abram, Mason Mount, and uh, what's the, the – Tamori? Did you see Tamora? the centre-back's goal at the weekend? Oh, crazy. What a goal. What a hit. And he he completely meant that, you know. That's not a, a a fluke shot. He meant that. You could tell. 
But well, it uh, definitely makes Adrian want to make sure that he's on his toes at all time. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I, I've a couple of stats that uh, were a bit noteworthy about Chelsea this year. Um, they've scored eleven goals. All of them are by the young English talent that we're talking about, Tammy Abraham, uh, Mason Mount, and one goal from that centre back Tamori. Um, Tammy Abraham's got seven. Mason Mount's got three, so he'll definitely be missed. Um, but they also haven't won at home this season. That's rough. That's got to be big, you know. That that's got to be big in Liverpool's mindset. You know, we we've got to go to their home and try to continue that. Not only that, we're on a, a fourteen win streak. You know, our form is all W's right now. So. We're we're definitely the team in form here. Um, even though I think I read somewhere that we haven't haven't beaten Chelsea at home in a few years. Um, I think it's maybe two years or something stupid like that. But uh, yeah, you know, if they think that they're going to be playing the the Super Cup Liverpool, they they they're in for a rude awakening. So uh, <laughs> let's hope they are and. Um, you know, I think Frank Lampard's doing a good job with um, with the youth, um, but I, I I think we're a different different gravy. We're um, we're just gonna we're just gonna introduce them to a couple of Liverpool home truths at the weekend. You know. Yeah, I agree, and and you know when people people got to remember that Lampard's taking this job and they're on a transfer ban. So it's not like he can go out and buy a player or two that he wants to upgrade his squad. He's going to have to work with what he's got with from, from within. And if there's anybody that knows that whole organization, it's going to be him. So I think if they give him time, he could he could challenge for the top four. He's not going to take the league from us anytime in the next few years. But, you know, I, Chelsea is going to start to make a resurgence, but they have to make sure that they're going to be willing to stay with a manager. How many managers have they gone through in the last four years? It's it's mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, they they, they really are the uh, football manager factory, aren't they? Um, and apparently, they even make their own with Frank Lampard, you know? So, uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think it'll be a, an interesting weekend. Um, obviously, it's it's a Sunday game, so we've got uh, a little bit of waiting around to do, so we can see what happens in uh, in the other games. Um, let me just run through the fixture list here. So we've got Leicester, Tottenham, Burnley, Norwich, Everton, Sheffield, City versus Watford, Newcastle against Brighton, uh, Crystal Palace against Wolves, West Ham United against United, uh, Arsenal versus Villa, and then. Ours is the last last game on Sunday, uh, and we all know how that's going to go. <laughs> so, with that being said, let's uh, let's take a stab in the dark. Let's roll the dice off the wall. How many goals are we going to get on Sunday, Chris? I'm going to go three. And you think Chelsea are going to score or not? Um, I'll go three-one us. I like it, you know. I I feel that it probably echoes the rest of our results right now. We've had a few um a few of those um where we've conceded. We've only got one clean sheet, right? I don't think we um, have any clean sheets. Oh wait, we do. Burnley. Yeah. So 
you know, three one sounds about right. Um, maybe maybe Tammy Abraham gets past Virgil one time. Maybe he doesn't. But uh, there's definitely going to be goals in this game. I think three one's probably uh, a decent enough bet right there. Not that I'm a betting man, of course. Um, don't uh, advocate that anybody does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like I said at the, at at the start, Chris, you you were the bit of sanity and clarity that we all needed this week and echoed along by those thoughts by uh Kazi, Tamuchin and Gordon and um it's best not to get too downheartened on a on a result like that when the Champions League starts coming around again. So I uh it was good to see it back. It was good to hear the music. Um onward and upwards for Liverpool, I feel, you know. Any uh any last hot takes or little comments you want to make or shout outs or anything? You know, I would I would really like to see a little bit of a squad rotation coming into this game. Um, it would be nice to give one of the guys at the front a day off, Bobby in particular. Um, I think he was a little unfortunate by that uh, injury to Origi last week. I feel like Klopp was going to give him the first half off after traveling back from Brazil so late in the week after the international break. But I'd like to see Shaq get some time. If I could give a hot take, it would be watch Shaq come in and play on the wing and play Mane on the, in, the central, uh, in the central striker role. And then I would love to see Oxlade-Chamberlain come back in and flank Genie. And, you know, throw that Fabinho right in the midfield. But I, I want to see some more squad rotation. It, and I know that it's going to come with the cup coming up and then MK Don's coming up after Chelsea. But hopefully you can get those guys to get the motor running a little bit while you're at Stanford Bridge playing against a pretty youthful Chelsea side. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, they... they um... They started out a bit rough, but uh, it looks like they're gathering speed. Um, and I just wanted to, to take the time as well before we wrap everything up here. Um, one of our other members was supposed to join us this evening. Um, he didn't get the chance. Uh, he had some technical difficulties. Um, but our main man, Barack, has got a new blog out. And what's it called now? It's called... Oh, I've lost it. Um, it's actually a very good read on the Napoli game. Um, and we've also got a new addition to our pod uh, in um, it's the new Lone Lads Watch, which uh, takes the time out to to look at all 13 of our, our loanies um, out on loan right now, uh, doing great stuff at other clubs all around Europe. And that's by Paul Bickler. So good shout out to the Lone Lads by Paul Bickler. And it's called... The Price of Arrogance, very good read by uh, by our main man Barack there, which uh, sadly wasn't able to join us tonight. But um, that's pretty much all I have. Um, Chris, anything at all you wanted to say? Uh, I'll just add on to that uh, about the new additions and the new posts. Both are excellent reads. I read them both earlier, and they are spot on. Uh, thank you to both of those guys, and can't wait to see some more. Absolutely, yeah. I'll echo those thoughts. And um, with that being said, folks, uh, of course, as always, from, from us guys here at American Scouser, we wish you a, a good week, um, good rest of your week. And until the next time, obviously, like, share, and subscribe. 
um, or or take a good read of our podcast or join us for a discussion at uh, LFC America on Facebook. Um, as always, even though we didn't get our three points, Chris, up the Reds. Up the Reds. We are the unbearables. We've won it six times. We're here to come and get seven. And we're top of the league, boys. Still top of the league. Top, top of the league. All right, folks. Well, that's all we've got. Uh, all the best, and we'll see you again.